0: It's one verse that we're looking at today. One of those signs given by Isaiah, and we've been in Isaiah a lot uh, during this Advent season. And it's one verse, even if you're not much of a, a, a Bible scholar, you probably have heard this verse or parts of it at some point in, in, your, uh, in your life at, during Christmas. So, uh, one of those, part of it at least is one of those verses you see on uh, uh, Christmas cards oftentimes and so forth, or at least before they became politically correct. And now you can't find a Christmas card that talks about Jesus but uh, that's another story. We won't get off on that right now. But um, just listen to this verse. Just read it. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This season, as much as any other, we're here. To, we want you to understand that's, that's what this season's about. That's what Christmas is about. God is with us. And um, I want to take just a minute, and I'm going to talk about that. Before I do, I want to I read something to you about Advent and, and what it all means. And uh, I want to I um, pick it up where it just starts talking about uh, what ad, Advent can be sort of a, a, of a time to examine stuff. So I want you just to just follow along with me a minute as we, as we talk about this whole thing. And it's all going to come together for you. I know it sounds like I'm going all over the place. But uh, hopefully I'll bring it back together for you in a minute. But this verse, or this, uh, this is from, from a, a pilgrim's almanac, Edward Hayes is his name, and he says this, Advent is the perfect time of the year to clear and prepare the way. Advent is winter training camp for those who desire peace. By reflection and prayer, by reading and meditation, we can make our hearts a place where the blessing of peace would desire to abide and where the birth of the Prince of Peace might take place. Now watch this. Listen to what he says here. Daily, we can make an Advent examination. Just just go through some, these are his questions, but just just think about them. Is there a lingering resentment and unforgiven injury living in our hearts? Just think about that a minute. Maybe a parent, and you're reminded every year, this time of the year, what a jerk they were or are. Maybe somebody that died and, you think about that this time of the year and there's still some resentment there. Maybe an ex-husband or ex-wife. Um, maybe a kid that hadn't got his stuff together yet and just a real pain in the butt, pain in the neck. Or worse. Um, is there a lingering resentment? Deal with that. Another question. Do we look down upon others of lesser social standing? Or educational achievement. This is a very discreet thing we could do. We, we wouldn't ever do this, of course, you know, in an obvious way. But we're just kind of look down on some Ah, you know, they're just different standing, different social standing. We 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 would just look, be a little condescending in how we might look at somebody. Are we generous with the gifts that have been given to us, seeing ourselves as their stewards and not their owners? You know the secret to giving and we, we're going to talk about this more, not, to, not today, but another time. Um, you know what the secret to giving is? secret to giving is not yours in the first place. <laughs> it's not. It's, it, whatever you got, God gave you. It's not yours. You only think that. You are just self-deluded and think it's yours. It's God's. He's entrusted you with it. You're a steward. And uh, when, you wonder, when you understand wealth and money, whatever, however little, however much um, you have, it gives you a much better perspective on life when you when you stop and think about it. It's not mine anyway. God just entrusted it to me. I worked really hard for my money. Well, a lot of people work hard. Some people make as much. Some people don't make as much. Some people make more. It's not yours. Are we reverent of others, their ideas and needs in creation and creation, and of creation, just in general? Some good, some good thoughts to examine ourselves with. These and other questions become Advent lights by which... We may search the deep, dark corners of our heart. Um, good stuff. All getting us prepared to think, not to try to miss the things that have come, taken place in our lives and the signs that, 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 that we're talking about in terms of the importance of, of the coming, at this point in time, the coming of the Messiah. In our case, the, the Messiah who's already been here and is here now, Jesus. So the verse... She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Because God is with us, we can think through some of those issues, some of those questions that, that the, uh, the author wrote that I read. But here's what I want to do. I want to just get you to think three different ways with me on what it means about God being with us. Three different ways, real simple. Um, and I, and I, I kind of patterned this after the Christmas, the Dickens, the Christmas carol. You know, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future. I love the play. I've seen it, various adaptations, mostly on stage. Of course, I've seen the the old movie and the newer movie and the, the Bill Murray movie, which I like probably the best. Um, but um, just to think about that for a moment, if you remember the story. About it, I just want to talk to you about how that means, what that means with God with us. God is with us, therefore... What does that mean? He affects, the, he affects the past. That's the first thing. Three things. First thing. God is with us, therefore, he affects the past. And here's, here's what I mean by that. If you are here and you are a person of faith in Christ, in other words, if, you've, if you're a person at some point in your life, maybe recently, maybe this morning, maybe last week, maybe last year, maybe 20 years ago, maybe f- whenever, a person who has in your, in your mind said, I am, Lord, want to follow you. I believe you suffered and died. You lived, suffered, died, rose again. And you did that for me and and, and for my forgiveness. And and I accept that. I believe that. I'm a follower of Christ. I trust you. If you've done that, um, you're a person of faith. You say, well, I haven't done that. Well, you're in a great place. You're in a great place to think about that. So maybe you're still in process. That's fine, too. We're glad you're here. But here's the thing. When you are a person of faith, you become a new person. You become a new person. Let me show you what I mean. It's in 2 Corinthians, a couple verses, chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Just, Just listen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, who brought us back to himself, where were we? We were all like the prodigal son. We had wandered away. Uh, that happened at the fall, a fall when, when Adam and Eve fell. The first sin entered uh, in, uh, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Chapter 3 is where you'll read about it. And whether you believe that's symbolic or whether you believe that's literal or whether you believe that's some other, sort. I'm not going to get into all the theology of it, I don't care what you believe, as long as you understand mankind fell. And I was a part of that. You know, and that's just how it is, and, and and therefore, all of our pilgrimage, so to speak, our spiritual pilgrimage, is trying to get back from that fall to Christ, and that's what he's talking about here. He says, and this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. That's why. That's what trusting Christ is. We become a new person, and I, I just want to emphasize that just for a moment because it's a huge issue, folks. As friend who was in, in, in ministry at the time, uh, and still is, I believe, pastor, and uh, used to always quote Will Rogers. Uh, Will Rogers, the cowboy humorist from uh, 40s and 50s. Most of you probably don't know who he is. Um, but, uh, but uh, you yeah, know, anyway, I used to, I've read some of his books and stuff, kind of like him. But he used to say this one thing. Will Rogers used to say, um, people change, but not much. So my, my, my minister friend would say, yeah, you know, he's kind of cynical. Oh, people change, but not much. He said, he said that. We were talking about him. He said that, I don't know, five or six times. And finally I said, you are not really getting tired of hearing that. I said, that's a cynical, you know, pessimistic, crap view of life right there. People change, not much. I may have said something else. But uh, I, I said, people change, not much? I said, where's God? God can't change people? I said, I've changed thank God. My wife's going, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> we've, we, we've all changed, hopefully for the better. Sometimes not. But again, that's why Jesus came. We, he, 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 we become new people when we, when we trust in Christ. And, the, and, and, the, and really, the, the process begins and the progress begins. And, and that's the issue here that I want you to see, to stop and reflect on this. Because God is with us, he affects the past. We become new people through Christ, new lives, new values, new ability to, to, to live in a way that's going to be honoring to God and pleasing to him as well as, honor, you know, honor people, love people. So when we start talking about that God is with us. Therefore, he affects the past, and that's why he's given us forgiveness and the cleansing of unrighteousness. And it happened when we trusted Christ. It happens continually in our, in our walk. Every day we need a little bit more forgiveness and grace. And, uh, and God provides that for us. So the first thing I want you to see, God is with us, therefore he affects the past. Thank God he does. Second thing, present. Because God is with us, he affects the present. Um. Let me show you a couple of verses. I could go a lot of places with this. How does God affect the present? there 's many ways that he affects the present, but i, I 'm drawn to a, a passage in the Gospels, and uh, you 'll might sound familiar to you. Matthew chapter eleven. Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am." Humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. <laughs> You'll find rest for your soul. You got a wandering soul, sort of a discontented soul. Jesus says, "Come to me, for my yoke fits perfectly and burden. The burden I give you is light." Love that passage. I want to read it to you in just a minute. Uh, in another, another paraphrase, you know, I, I love the verse, and it means a lot to me. One of the things that always gives me issues in trying to explain it to people is the yoke part, because you know, most of you northeasterners think the yoke is just an egg thing, you know. Um, and I think I, I bet I'm the only one in here that's ever really put a yoke on something. Am I right? Has anybody else ever done that? Uh, I did not think so. Um, and I, I, we didn't have like a team or anything when I was a when I was a kid, but I had a horse and one time I found some stuff and put a yoke on tried to punch stuff, tried to begin to pull a wagon. It didn't work, but I, you know, it just horse he was not a horse that would do that kind of thing and it he you know, he got all mad and kicked me and stuff. But anyway, that's and that was before we wore helmets we had horses either, so my gosh. They said I'd either die or have some mental problems. Anyway, um, So I wanted to find something that you would take the yoke thing out of there. Because this was written to an agrarian society, obviously, and they would put this yoke over oxen or or donkeys or whatever to pull something and so forth. it's kind of hard for us if we really aren't familiar with that kind of terminology to understand. What did Jesus mean by that? Why does he take my yoke? So it's not always good, but the the, the message, paraphrase Bible, does the same passage. And I want to read it to you here because this really speaks to me. And I think it will you. if you've, I've read it to you before. Maybe you remember it. Maybe you don't. But here it is. It's in the message. Same verses. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Huh. Yeah. I don't even like religious people. Um, come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. This is Jesus talking. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this, the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that great? Jesus is basically saying here, hey, let me show you what grace is. Now, I want to come back to that in a minute, but, but very quickly, Augustine said something about these verses that I just love. He said this, I have read in Plato and Cicero sayings that are wise and very beautiful, but I have never read in either of them. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You want a quick crash course in, in Christianity versus world religions? Right there you got it. You only find one that talks about the the Lord saying, come unto me and I'll give you rest. And it's not Muhammad and it's not Buddha or Confucius or any of those other guys. Only Jesus. Um, Let me go back to that verse again. In in the message, message, uh, paraphrase. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? You know, this is, I relate to that so much. I mean, I say this all the time. I don't think people really believe me. Sometimes they say, "Oh, you're a, you're a, you're religious," because they find out I'm a minister. You know, you're religious. They don't know me <laughs> very well. <you> know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm really not religious. I'm really not. I'm really in. I'm 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 about I'm about Jesus. That's who I'm. That's that's I'm I'm a follower of Christ. And the whole religion thing, that's just, I, I don't like it. I, and I really don't. I mean, I, I struggle with church sometimes. Not, not Renaissance church, well, that too. But I mean, not so much Renaissance church, but just church in general. I mean, the whole organized thing. People say, oh, you know, I don't like organized religion. Well, <laughs> As I always say, I do my best to keep it unorganized. But, but um, uh, it's, uh, um, I understand that. I really do. And, you know, they get all hung up on buildings and church stuff and this church and this church and that church. I had somebody ask me a few weeks ago. Well, it's probably been a few months ago now, but it all runs together. Um, <clears throat> they were downstairs, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what kind of background they have. I'm not going to say because I'm not positive. But um, they said, oh, they were visiting with somebody else, like I, some people here now. And uh, they said, hey, uh, this is great. We, we really liked it. Afterwards, I was down the sidewalk. And say, said, does this count? And I said, I said, what? Does this count? (laughs) And I was like, um, I I don't know. I said, does it count? They said, well, does it count like for going to church? I said, oh, heck yeah, it counts twice. Are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) I was just at a loss. I didn't know what they were doing. I have since had a few people explain to me from a certain kind of background what they meant by that. And I said, okay. Yeah, it counts, man. It counts. So. I'll, I'll punch your ticket, whatever you need, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, we get all hung up and burned out on this stuff, right? The whole religion thing, the whole church thing. This, and Jesus says, hey, you, you tired of that all that stuff? And I think Jesus would say it just like, are you tired of all that? Come to me. You know, and, and it's, about, it's about who Christ is, folks. Don't miss that. I mean, the, 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 the depiction on the, on the video is so, we miss it so many times. You know, it's not just the Old Testament people who missed that Jesus was coming. We miss all the working so many times of of God and Christ working in our lives. We get so hung up on all the other hoo-ha that, that we just, we miss this stuff. Don't. Stop. Reflect. Think. Do what Jesus says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in all this religion stuff? Come to me. Get away with me. We'll recover your life. <laughs> I, I just, you know... Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That's, that, that's, the, uh, that's where he takes the yoke part from the other translation. It's not, it's kind of, it's this, nobody's trying to change you. Nobody's trying to not let you be you. That's you know, one of the things that some of us have struggled with at times. That, Am I, do I have to change my personality to be more godly? God doesn't want you to change your personality. He wants, he wants to make you a better you. And you all know, we all know that we could be a better us, me. I don't think any of us here would deny that. So God is with us. Therefore, he affects the past. And thank God, He therefore, he he affects the present. And the last thing, third thing, he affects the future. Because Christ is with us, because Christ is with us, how we think about tomorrow is different, and the years to come. This is a great verse right here. Second, I know, I know, I say that all the time, but I, it's always, <laughs> I always mean it. Anyway, Second Timothy chapter one. This is this is the Apostle Paul talking to young Pastor Timothy. Paul's old at this point, probably sixty ish. <laughs> And uh, Timothy's probably we believe scholars would say twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty years old, a ridiculously young age, just ridiculous. And the older I get, the more ridiculous it becomes. So, and if you're thirty and, and I, I act like I speak with contempt to you, it's real, okay? It's real, it's genuine. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> um. So Paul's this old pastor he's writing to this young Timothy pastor, and he says. This is why I'm suffering here in prison, and I'm not ashamed of it, for I know. Oh, oh, watch, 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 watch. I know the one in whom I trust. That's Jesus. And I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Did you get that? I know the one in whom I trust. That is Christ. That, and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted. What has Paul entrusted to him? His whole life. His whole life. I'm sure that he is able to guard my life because I've given it I've given it to Christ. That's what he's saying. My 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 past, my present, my future. Because God is with us, he affects the future. And I'll tell you, there's a statement that means more to me the longer I live. I don't know where it originated. Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, used to say it all the time. And uh, my friend Jack Kemp, who's now with the Lord, would, would, would always quote Dr. King. But Dr. King used to say this all the time. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And I'll tell you, guys, you, if you don't understand that, you're in deep doo-doo. You really are. And I don't care how old you are, you know, I, I've had conversations recently with anybody from the age of, well, my grandson, 15 here, and I were talking about this the other day. He's here they're visiting with us. Can you believe my grandson drove me around yesterday in a car? There's just something innately wrong with that. Amazing. I'm, I'm just freaking out. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was Charlene's car, so I didn't care. No, anyway. <laughs> it was, but it sort of worked out that way. Uh, I was talking to my grandson about. I've talked to some. He's fifty. He's 50 they, get, they get a learner's permit in Alabama when they're fifteen. I know it's crazy. Um, he's fifteen. Then I got and then talking to another guy the other day. He's probably 65, 70 years old, and, uh, and then a couple of other people in between. I've talked just recently about this one concept. Just saying, I don't, I, don't, I, I. You know, I'm, I'm very concerned about the future. I don't know what's. What I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, because in, in each situation, there's things going on, decisions that are being made, and so forth or that are going to have to be made. Let me tell you, and here's what I said to each one of them, you know, you're looking for stability and you're looking for security and it ain't there. And if it's there, it's only an illusion. It's only an illusion. You only think, you only think it's, it's stable and secure because a tweak here and a tweak here and it's gone. And most of us, most of us have seen that in our lifetime. Some of us have seen it a lot. And it doesn't take much. It's so fragile. And if you learn anything from 9-11, you learn that. Or the last three years even. The market's just so upside down. So if you're looking, and that's my message to in these, some of these private conversations, I say, you know, you're looking, I'm okay, I'm there with you. I'd like stability too, I'd like security too. But it's an illusion. It's just an illusion. The sooner you understand that, the better off you're going to be because if you think you have it, it can change. And if you're trusting in anything but Jesus, you're going to be sorely disappointed at some point in your life. And that's, that's why I love this this thought so much from, from Dr. King, that he, God knows he lived it, you know, every day of his life. And, of course, he, he didn't use that particular quote, his last speech, but he said something very similar to that, the last speech before he was, he was uh, killed. So if anybody understood it, I think he did. And many of us do. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. God is with us. And he affects the past, he affects the present, and he affects the future. Let's pray together. Lord God, I am so incredibly encouraged that I can stand here and say, I really don't know what the future holds. But I do know you. And you do hold the future. God, I pray that I would trust you more. I try so hard not to. Sometimes... Lord, teach us that that's only way to, to live is by trusting you. We thank you for that. And we thank you for your love, for your grace, your forgiveness, and your care for us as you hold our future. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you so much. Amen.